Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and they there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and and your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Um, usually the first part of the week, either Monday or Tuesday, I'll just sit down and allow myself to start thinking where we might be the following week, talk to the Lord about it, um, to see if he wants to give me something so that I got something to think about during the week. And uh, I was listening to Julie Miller, and uh, she's a Christian musician out of Nashville. Um, and the last song that was on there, um, I said, Judy, do you remember this song? And the song was, I Will Arise and Go to Jesus. And um, as, as the song came on, I will arise and go to Jesus. I was skimming through chapters 14, 15, and 16, but when the beginning of that song started, I was in Luke chapter 15, verse 18, and when Julie sang, I will arise and go to Jesus, I was reading word for word, I will arise and go to my father. And I simply closed my Bible and said, okay, Lord, the prodigal son it is. So that's how we ended up with this uh, study this morning. The parable, the background of this parable, is that the publicans and sinners came to hear the Lord Jesus by multitudes. The Pharisees and scribes began to murmur, to criticize him because of this. They were scandalized that he would receive them and even eat with them. His answer to the murmuring of the Pharisees and scribes is a parable. Customarily, it is called three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, 
the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. Actually, it is three parts of one parable. It is three pictures in a single frame. All of Luke chapter 15 is three parables, all making um, the same point. Um, This morning, we will briefly look at the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, and uh, we'll spend uh, most of our time looking at the parable of the prodigal son and his older brother. Uh, The first one is a parable of the lost sheep. I asked Thomas if he could find for me a picture. Um, We used to have it on the walls around here. I have one at home. And I'm going to ask him to put it on. And uh, the parable of the lost sheep we we find in uh, verse 1. So if you want to go back to chapter 15, verse 1. And we'll read it and I'll come down and make some comments on it. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him, and the scribes and the Pharisees murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So here's the background. Uh, they, were, they had an axe to grind with the Lord because he was hanging out with um, um, people of, let's say, questionable character. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, So he's responding to their criticism. What man of you having a hundred sheep and he loses one of them does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and he is rejoicing. And when he comes home, we find, uh, verse six, that when he had come home, he called together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons uh, who need no repentance. The parable of the lost sheep. And here we, we see the Lord, um, as this is dramatized here in this, this picture, All right, um, let's continue on to the parable of uh, the lost coin, verses uh, eight through 10. Or of what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, but sweeps the house and seeks diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, this really struck me for some reason, that there um, is a reaction to a person who humbles himself and repents, and the reaction is a heavenly one. When one person, comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, evidently there's angels in heaven going, yes! (laughs) And uh, they rejoice. um, Realizing people are praying and that um, the Lord himself intercedes for us, we're told. And when that person makes that decision, uh, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God. And that just stuck out to me. Um, The other thing 
is that the coin was probably part of a roll of coins which formed a headpiece signifying her marriage state. To lose a part of it was like losing a stone in one's wedding ring. The woman depicts the Holy Spirit um, whose ministry is to make sure that each one belongs to the bridegroom will be present for the wedding. Every coin will be in place. Everyone is valuable to him. Now, I like the movie King David. It's one of my favorites. And in it, after he had killed Goliath, of course, um, his prize was Saul's daughter. And in the movie, it shows the wedding taking place. And sure enough, if she doesn't have coins going around her head. And um, so I think there's probably some validity to why there's such rejoicing here. This was, would have been part and equivalent to um, losing your wedding ring. And that's why there was such great um, joy over that. This last um, week, um, last year I painted three quarters of my house. That's how much I got done with it. And so I got a quarter left to go. And I was sure at the end of last year that I had two gallons of uh, very high quality um, paint that I had set aside. And two gallons of this stuff, we're talking 100 bucks. And so um, I ran out and I was looking for it. I looked three separate times. I was sure I had it, but I couldn't find it. And so actually I was reading this and I said, Lord, if you can help this woman find her coin, why can't you help me find my paint? And I got up and I walked downstairs into the basement. I walked into a room and there was a box and they were in the box. And I said, thank you, Lord. I should acknowledge you in all my ways more often. <laughs> but I had joy. It saved me a hundred bucks. And the cans were, were never opened. So it brings us to the prodigal son, the third parable in Luke chapter 15. And I, let's just look at the first verse because it tells us a lot about the living conditions of how this young man was raised. A certain man had two sons. So the certain man here is the father. We know that at the end of the story, he's a loving father. And um, he was brought up uh, in a loving home. He evidently was at that age where now... Um, he gets to that age that we call adolescence. Adolescence, I looked it up, the definition of adolescence is a period of life when a child develops into an adult. Well, I think there's more to it than that. I would add to that definition, I believe he just wanted out to do things he couldn't do at home. And there's a certain part that God inbreds that I think is, is part of uh, the Lord's growing process. That when you get to that certain age, you say, I want out of here. And sometimes the parents are thinking the same thing. <laughs> anyway, he had gotten to that point. And um, I believe he did want to do things that he would never be able to do at home. And so we read the younger The younger of them said to his father, Father, 
give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, uh, sojourned to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Uh, The older son, at the end of this, is going to be a little bit more descriptive of the party life this guy led. But when he had spent all, uh, there arose a severe famine in that land and began to be in want. He thought the grass was greener on the other side of the fence. He was over on the other side of the fence. And the grass wasn't only greener, but it turned into a famine. Now he has no money, no food. If he had friends, I would call them fair weather friends or your friends as long as you're paying the bills for the meals and so on. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Now who is he telling this parable to? Scribes and Pharisees. Can't you just see them wincing at this point? He went where? To feed swine? Uh, I think it had a reaction to the religious leaders uh, when he said that. Now, just as there are uh, adolescents in that period of time that we go through, I think there's a, there can also be spiritual adolescence, where people who um, walked with the Lord for a while decide that they're going to go back to the old ways. And I want to do a little sidetrack here and have you turn to Second Peter because Peter actually comments on this actually happening. So it can, adolescence and the, the need to get out on your own can be for both people that are born again and for people that are, are not. So in 1 Peter 2, let's look at verse, 2 Peter 2, verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them. Let me just stop and say there's a lot of theology in there that I'm going to bypass because it's a whole study within itself. But verse 22 is what I wanted to get to. But it happened to them according to a true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Let's go back to Luke 15. He has nothing to eat. His money has run out. Nobody will give him a job except this guy who says, well... You can take care of the pigs and whatever they're having for supper, you can, um, you can eat with them whatever the, they ate. And this is where he finally gets to that place where um, he is broken. He was experiencing what Hebrews called the passing pleasures of sin. There's pleasure in sin. But what I'd point out there is the word passing. It's a passing pleasure of sin. And um, um, 
here he finally gets to the end of the passing part and he realizes when he came to himself, that's another way of saying he hit rock bottom. Many of us here can identify with that. Many of us here didn't look up until we were all the way down and we hit bottom. And we hit bottom, he came to his senses. Let me just stop here and add something. He had hope, even though he was in this place, because he was raised in that loving home. And let's just say for for the sake here that it's a godly home, with, with godly influence. Because he was raised in that environment and had that uh, godly uh, influence, he had hope. He knew he could go home. And he knew that what he thought would bring him pleasure was hard. Now, I can't remember who credit, to credit the story to. I haven't read it in years. It's either about a pastor or a parent trying to get their kids from going out and living in sin. And um, the bottom line is the parent is talking to the son or daughter who wanted to sow their wild oats. And as the son was leaving, slamming the door, the parent said, sin is hard. And then they didn't see the son for several months. Several months later, there's a knock at the door and it was a son who had come home. And he said, sin is hard. <laughs> Sin is hard. And, but it's something that has to be learned. When he came to his senses, he knew he could go home. Here we read in verse 18, when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my fire, uh, father's uh, hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise. No, that's it. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. I believe he saw him because I don't think there was a day that went by that dad wasn't praying for him and looking for him. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And we find that the son, um, um, after he had, had hit bottom, he knew at that, at that point in time, I can go home. So he had come to that place Before I read any farther, would you please turn to Proverbs 22, verse 6. And I want to spend a little bit of time before we finish up. I actually quoted this last Sunday. I want to turn to it this Sunday. Last Sunday, I just quoted it. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, mom and dad, the comment last week is, it's not my job, it's not the Sunday school teacher's job, it's not the youth pastor's job 
to train up in the child in the way he should go. That duty clearly falls on your shoulders. Can I get an amen from that? Having said that, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. That child's gonna reach that age of adolescence. He's gonna reach that place where he says, I think I wanna get out of here for a while, see what's on the other side. And they do. But notice the last part of it. He says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, the seeds that you're planting right now, they might be germinating for a long time while they're out in the pig pen or doing whatever. And we have parents here this morning who have prodigal sons. We have people here this morning who have prodigal family members that know the truth, have walked in the truth, and like we read in Second Peter, they've chosen to walk away for whatever reason. The importance of training your child in the ways of the Lord is that when they come to their senses, they have something to fall back on. Oh, I remember mom and dad telling me about this stuff. But suppose you weren't raised in a Christian home. Suppose the, the truths of the gospel and only God's word and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ can satisfy your soul and you can find contentment and peace only in the Lord. Well, you'll grab out for that if you've hit rock bottom, but it's only after they've gone through this period of time. Another way of of saying that when this guy hit bottom, he had hope. Do you know how many people today take their lives? Why? And the answer is always the same. Um, unless Unless I believe it's medically mind-altering, which I believe can uh, cause people to do weird things. But it's because they have no hope. And if they haven't brought, brought up with the truth of the gospel, when they hit rock bottom, they don't have any hope. So their answer is, I'm just gonna check out. And they don't know the reality of what we take much so much for granted here. Please, we should never take for granted, number one, our fellowship together, our worship, and a study of God's word. Good place for an amen. Never take it for granted. It is priceless. And um, um, you never know the seeds that you're sowing, mom and dad, right now, um, when they're gonna germinate. But this is God's word. It's your job to raise them up. And it's interesting to me that they would use the word, when he's old, he will not depart from it. It's almost implying that there's gonna be a time when they're gonna be away and that they're going to return. Um, On his way home, I believe he was memorizing a little speech. You You see, he's saying the thing he had planned in the far country. I think he repeated that little speech all the way home. I think every step of the way he said, when I get home, I'm going to say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me uh, like one of the hired servants. And he started to say this to his father, but he didn't get very far. He got as far as, I'm not worthy to be called your son when the father um, interrupted him in verse, let's go back to Luke 15. I'm no, in verse 19, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make, just make me like one of your hired servants. 
And he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said to, the, to him, Father, and here, here's his speech, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but, he's interrupted here by dad, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it, put it on him. Put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to have a party. And evidently, um, uh, it was quite a party because it got the older brother's attention. Have you ever noticed the things the father says he's going to do for the son? He says, get a robe. Now, a robe was a cleaning cloth that went on him after he had been washed. He needed a bath. He was in the pig pen. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our Lord washes us. The one who girded himself with the towel is the one who will wash one of his sons who comes back to him. He has to be cleansed when he's been into a far country. And the robe is a robe of righteousness of Christ that covers the believers after he is cleansed. The ring is the insignia of the full-grown son with all rights pertaining thereto. He brought back He was brought back into his original position. Nothing is taken from him. He's brought back into his place in his father's house. Right now, our Lord Jesus Christ is at God's right hand, still girded with the towel of service for one of us who get soiled feet or soiled hands by being in a far country. But when we confess to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to come like the prodigal son came. Father, I've sinned. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me a hired servant. And the father will say, I'll never make you a hired servant. You're my son. I'll cleanse you. I'll forgive you. I'll bring you back into that place of fellowship and usefulness. Now, everybody in the house should have been at the party, and everybody should be rejoicing. That's not the case. As we read the rest of the story, he had an older brother. And picking it up in verse 25, now, the older son was in the field, and he came near the house, and he heard music, and he heard dancing. And so he called one of his servants And he asked, what in the world is going on? And he said, well, you know, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him, tried to reason with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you, 
I've never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. I think older brother knew younger brother, and I think older brother knew exactly what younger brother wanted to do, and it's a little more graphic than what he was doing when he was playing the prodigal. And you've killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother. He was dead, and he's alive again, and was lost, and he is found. There are those of you faithfully serving the Lord, and uh, nobody gives you a pat on the back and said, thank you, even though we should do that. Serving behind the, the scenes, being faithful in the smallest things, day after day, week after week, year after year, just pressing on. And... Um, getting no acknowledgement from anybody for your work. I heard this story years ago. I thought I had it in my library. I knew what it was about, and um, Mary actually found it. She Googled it. And I'll read it and begin to close up this morning with it. An old missionary couple had been working in Africa for years, and they were returning to New York to retire. They had no pension. Their health was broken. They were defeated, discouraged, and afraid. They discovered they were booked on the same ship as President Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from one of his big game hunting expeditions. No one paid any attention to them. They watched the fanfare that accompanied the president's entourage with passengers trying to catch a glimpse of the great man As the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary said to his wife, something's wrong. Why should we have given our lives in faithful service for God in Africa all these many years and have no one care a thing about us? Here, man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody makes much over him, but nobody gives two hoots about us. The wife says, dear, you shouldn't feel that way. His wife said, I can't help it. It just doesn't seem right. When the ship docked in New York, a band was waiting to greet the president. The mayor, other dignitaries were there. Their papers were full of the president's arrival, but not one noticed this missionary couple. They slipped off the ship, found a cheap flat on the east side, hoping the next day to see what they could do to make a living in the city. That night, the man's spirit broke. He said to his wife, I can't take this anymore. God is treating us unfairly. His wife replied, why don't you go in the bedroom and tell that to him? A short time later, he came out of the bedroom, but now his face was completely different. His wife asked, dear, what happened? He said, the Lord settled it with me. He said, I told him how bitter I was that the president should receive this tremendous homecoming 
when no one met us as we returned home. And when I finished, it seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. The celebration, the fanfare, happens when you get home. Here, what does the Lord promise us? Everything that Paul went through, trials, tribulations, temptations, pain, death, sorrow. And um, here, uh, that answer just is for the one here that has been faithfully serving. My Bible says, don't lose heart. Those who labor in the ward, you'll receive your reward. So don't become overcome. Just keep on pressing on. Whenever we have this many people, and we were live streamed all over the place, I want to say uh, um, hi to our special friends. This is in my notes, and it's in the back of my head. And, uh, but it has to do with sheep. And they live in British Columbia, and um, forgive me, guys, because they watch every Sunday. This is their church. Um, they became known in Israel because they have what's called Jacob's Sheeps. They're spotted. They no longer exist in Israel, but they raise them in British Columbia. And they sent them, some of them, back to Israel. And so we, they have uh, Jacob's Sheep back in Israel because of this couple, that's really a part of our fellowship. They emailed us last week because something that was said during the center, um, I can't remember what it was, but hi guys, God bless you. And, um, but this is a word for maybe somebody who's, who's watching, or maybe you're here this morning, or maybe you need encouragement um, for a prodigal that you're praying for. I wouldn't give a Bible study like this without inviting you to come back home. If you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, um, that will never make you happy. You'll be the most miserable person in the world because you'll, you'll have a foot in both places. In the Jesus movement, um, there were thousands that had left looking for truth, peace, and love. And they didn't find it, except when the Jesus movement hit and they discovered the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that they had been looking for. Out of it came a group called Love Song. And one of the most powerful songs of welcoming all these hippies which I was part of that whole movement, um, was a song that came out that Chuck Girard wrote in Love Song. And it's simply called Welcome Back. And it ministered to so many thousands because they were capturing with our music um, the whole thing that was happening about coming back to the Lord. And as I'll close this morning, I'm not gonna sing it. You can be thankful for that. The lyrics go like this. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the things you once believed in. Welcome back to what you knew was right from the start. All you had to do was to be what you always wanted to be. Welcome back to the love 
that's in your heart. I know that you thought you could turn your back and no one could see in your mind, but I can see that you know better now. You never were the untruthful kind, yes, and I'm so happy to welcome you back. Sometimes you don't know what you're missing till you leave it for a while. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Jesus. If you've been away from the Lord and um, you've been playing the the prodigal, then um, come to your senses. Come to realize that there's nothing out there that could ever take the place of um, a personal relationship of coming home and being with the Lord. Amen? Let's stand and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the parables. Thank you that you're so honest, Lord, with our nature, calling us sheep. We are stubborn, we are rebellious, and we do need to carry your mark upon us, reminding us, Lord, that while we're here, you say we need to pick up our own cross and follow you. There are things and passing pleasures of sin we choose to leave behind. And I pray for the one this morning, Lord, that's got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, or that one is completely wallowing back in the pig pen, that you bring that one to themselves and that this morning they would once again give their heart and life, coming home, knowing that they will be received, knowing that they'll be washed and completely restored. I pray for that one this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You're missing till you leave it for a while. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to Jesus. If you've been away from the Lord and um, you've been playing the the prodigal, then um, come to your senses. Come to realize that there's nothing out there that could ever take the place of... um, a personal relationship of coming home and being with the Lord. Amen? Let's stand and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the parables. Thank you that you're so honest, Lord, with our nature, calling us sheep. We are stubborn, we are rebellious, and we do need to carry your mark upon us, reminding us, Lord, that while we're here, You say we need to pick up our own cross and follow you. There are things and passing pleasures of sin we choose to leave behind. And I pray for the one this morning, Lord, that's got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, or that one is completely wallowing back in the pig pen, that you bring that one to themselves and that this morning they would once again give their heart and life, coming home, knowing that they will be received knowing that they'll be washed and completely restored. I pray for that one this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.